Craig Parkinson, and this is the Two Shot Podcast. Pop the kettle on and let's dive in. Is the wait a minute? Does this sound echoey to you? I'm going to move rooms. Hey, they're all. Maybe this is it. This is a bit better, I think. Hello, it is Thursday. Um, awkward start. No, not really. It's fine. We're all on this episodic journey together. I'm looking out onto uh, the ever so slightly grey uh, but sunny skies of Bristol this week. Um, where are you? Really? Nice. Tropical. Romantic. I like it. Um, we're back with another episode. Now, you know I've always said things like this, or I've said something extremely similar. When I record an episode with somebody who I've never met, and what I always strive for, you know this, what I always strive for is a conversation between two people. And Pearl Chanda is my guest this week. And I uh, I emailed producer Griff not long after it and said, I've just recorded this episode. I really enjoyed it. And it made me think about the past few years that we've been recording these episodes recording this podcast and, and how it started and, and what I wanted it to be. And this is case in point, really. Two people who had never met and they had a real two-way conversation. Purely organic, never happened again, and it was cracking. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. But it really made me hark back to, to why I started this. Uh, so a massive thank you to Pearl. Um... And big shout out to Rosie, who uh, was, <laughs> she had so much patience with me. Basically, we had to um, abandon lots of dates over the last few weeks. Now, if I say the name Pearl Chanda, will you know who she is? Now, she is uh, an actress. She's from Ballam in London. Currently, you can see her at the pictures in the film See How They Run with... Oh, I mean, what an ensemble. Of course, it's headed up by the brilliant Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan. But you will find past TSP guest uh, Charlie Cooper in there. You'll find past TSP guest Reese Shearsmith in there. I'm sure there's probably a, f- a few others knocking about. Um, I haven't seen it, which you'll understand uh, why? Well, I certainly explain why during the episode. Uh, but we kick off, uh, myself and Pearl, with something that we have in common. Hmm. Enjoy. This is the Two Shot Podcast with the brilliant Pearl Chanda. Enjoy, and I shall see you at the end. This is perfect. Pearl... Ha- it's so lovely because I know we've been trying to do this for quite a while, and and you've been so so busy. I know, and I hate. I hear. I, I sort of hate 
letting guests down, but this season of the podcast yeah. has been extremely difficult because all I want to do is have a cup of tea with people in real life and not do this, do uh, like this, you know, because yeah. everybody's kind of a bit yeah. sick of it. Um, now, Pearl, the last time I... Uh, made a claim with a guest. Uh, it completely backfired on me. Oh. But what what I want to do now is just to see if I'm right and see if the research is right. Yeah. So after three, right, I'm going to say the date and month of my birthday and I want you to do yours exactly the same time and then we'll see if it works. Okay, we ready? So yep. one, two, three... 11th, 11th of March. March. There we go. It works. So, and I knew this because I heard your heard the podcast with um, Jodie yes. Comer. So she she is 11th. She's 11th. So it's me, you, and Jodie Comer. All it's born. the best people. The best month. The best people. I know. Um, so how's things? How are you? I'm in. I'm in a. I'm in a very rainy Manchester. Where are you? Are you in London? I'm in London. I'm in East London in a kind of grey. It's kind of, the weather's turned, you know. It's that kind of everything feels a bit bleak, doesn't it? A little bit. <laughs> Do you feel like that? Well, a little bit because I started a, a job like three and a half months ago, and now we're putting on big old puffer coats. And, mm. and it, only a few months ago, you know, all the crew were getting sunburnt because they didn't put their sun lotion yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh. It's just a change. So all this, all the summer stuff goes in the drawer, and all the yeah. big jumpers come out. But there's, so, yeah. I suppose, there's something kind of comforting about it. I just... There is. You kind of want to buy stationery, don't you? Oh, <laughs> are you? You want to go into Ryman's and like get all of the, the notebooks and stuff. That's how I feel. Do you? Do you? Are you aware of the actress Vicky McClure? Yes. Vicky McClure and her stationery habit is oh, I love it. outrageous. She, <laughs> stick her with a cup of tea and a stationery shop, she is, that's rock and roll. She's so happy with that. Yeah, well, I mean, whenever I start a job, I, I, I do buy new stationery and it's like, and it feels like, oh, well, I can't, I can't really start the work until I've got it all, you know? It's strange that, isn't it? Well, it's a bit like um, a new year at school, isn't it? Yeah, and we it used is. to go it right. I need I need a new pencil case. Yeah. I need all this. I need my compass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because we always need a compass. We always need compasses in our business. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pearl, um, I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't seen see how they run, um, yeah. <laughs> and it is my fault uh, because Disney did send me uh, a link to the film. Well, oh, wow, you really have no excuse. No, I, I have no excuse. <laughs> but I am gonna, I am gonna blame the mouse ever so slightly because um, they didn't tell me that it expired after like forty-eight hours. So I went on, and they went, "No, you can't have, you can't watch it now." But I am gonna see it. But let's talk about the film briefly without giving too much away. Tell me yeah. about the audition process with Tom. Oh, well, it was actually just a bunch of tapes, really, um, and reading and reading the, the script, which was great. And, um, yeah, it's a really fun film. I'm really ex- I'm, I'm pleased that it's done so well because it feels like what everyone needed, you know, going back to the cinema, 
having a bit of a kind of costume murder mystery farce, which is what it is. And um, and I and I feel like everyone who was acting in it and making it at the time felt like that too, kind of similarly of kind of wanting it. They kind of wanted to do it because it was with a, an amazing cast and also that it was like a lot of giggles, you know. It was done in lockdown and, and everything was feeling a kind of slightly... Um, I don't know that there was that there you know there it was such a strange time so it was kind of um great to be in that room with all of those brilliant people I mean laughing you know and Tom's very up for you know up for the jokes so it was good I had a really great time doing it and it looks really good it's a really good looking movie yeah and I think you're right I think you hit the nail on the head I think that's exactly what we all need it's like when knives out came out a few years ago it's like this is the antidote of what we need yeah you need I I think people need comfort blankets you know especially when there's kind of this rise of anxiety that kind of came through COVID and hasn't really left it hasn't kind of shaken off it's just sort of moved in a different thing and it makes it you know I guess maybe that was a, a positive about COVID I'm sure you've talked about this loads before about how then these things what we watch, what we read, what we listen to become so necessary. You know, they don't seem... Um, even even the kind of fluffy, enjoyable entertainment doesn't seem... Uh, that seems necessary. Oh, absolutely. Know. I mean, I have, I have spoken about it, but not for some time, it feels. Mm. But forgive me for repeating myself, but I remember at a time all I wanted was the comfort... But I couldn't, mm. I couldn't get through a book. I certainly couldn't sit through a film. Music was, wow. was really triggering, like, emotionally. And all I could do was listen to people talking. So it was either, it was podcasts or it was, like, Radio 4 and then the news and then I had to turn that off because I, don't, mm. I didn't want it in my life. But it's, it's hard to stretch out for something that you need, but you're pushing it away at the same time. Yeah, why do you think that was? Why do you think you had such a aversion to it? I, I felt everything... Like, when I was with my son quite a lot during lockdown, and he's 11, and we all know that the mind is an incredible thing and imagination goes everywhere, but when the news came on and it was about... The deaths and this and everything was sort of really super super bleak. He mm. he just couldn't handle it. He his yeah. mind was going off. So, you know, we we have the BBFC for for films and we know what we're watching on the telly. If it's not suitable, it's after the watershed. But sometimes the <laughs> the stuff in the news is yeah. so graphic, especially when you've mm. got a young one. Um, so it was just, I suppose it was hard to juggle, really. And I was, suppose I was, I was kind of shutting things away at that time, and just yeah, but you kind of because it was a, like a weird reality, wasn't it? It was kind of everyone was making this new life, and you, you know, <laughs> what is real felt a bit, bit kind of like that. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. It really did. But you know, as we say, things things are getting better, certainly in our business. Mm. But I was talking to an actor the other day at work and she was having to put herself on tape for a theatre job and she found it really, really odd because, you know, mm. part of the process for, for any job, you know, is so they can meet you. Yeah. Because yeah. Now, and to see the chemistry exa- between you and the director, yeah. Exactly. Know. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's a two-way street, you know, I say to certain sort of students sometimes who I talk to, it's like, just remember, you're, you know, 
you're you're auditioning them as much as they're auditioning you because you've got to collaborate and work together. So it's really important that there's mm. that there is some sort of chemistry there, and it's just so hard to convey on a tape. Really hard, but that I mean that's quite a hard concept, I think. Anyway, I mean I was talking to someone someone recently about um, how how the audition process is a is a tough one because sometimes it can end up feeling like you're going in asking for permission to be an actor or not. Yeah. Instead of going, well, I am an actor. I'm just seeing whether this 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 collaboration is is going to work for both of us. It's a really, really hard thing, I think, to get your mind around, you know, especially if you're a student or a graduate, you know. Yeah, but, I mean, I think even for a student or a graduate, I mean, I've been doing this over 25 years now, and mm. it's, I still sometimes feel like it's tightrope walk. Oh, all the time. Constantly. All the time. I, I, sometimes it's happening mid-audition, and I'm going, oh, my God, I'm, I'm literally thinking, do they think I'm an actor or not? <laughs> terrible it's awful feeling it's understandable totally understandable but it's really hard because you want to be present and you want to be focused and in the room but you can just take yourself out and look at yourself and judge mid-audition it's really super tricky it makes me feel queasy I guess that's a you know at least at least with self-tapes you you can have the opportunity to just do what you think your instincts without second guessing Mm. what you're doing that's I guess that's a a plus, but yeah, I really miss being in the room. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I think you—you've kind of hit the nail on the head there with self tapes. It's like you can convey your interpretation of it, and then kind of throw it away. Yeah, in a way, it's like this is what I—this was my immediate reaction. This is what I think. This is what this is a route that I would go down. And to some extent, it's easier than kind of being there and and. You know, and actors are so sensitive. They're getting they you, you you're naturally going to be wondering or trying to see the signs of what they're asking you to do, what they think the character is, and trying to morph and and at least with a self tape, you can kind of be bolder. I think sometimes. Yeah. But um, it's a mixture, isn't it? It's funny. It's funny how it's changed so quickly. I left drama school ten years ago almost, and and it's kind of strange to think that really it's only been you know, half of that time was the self-tape thing. It's like that, it just moves so fast. <laughs> how how was training for you? How was RADA? It was good. I, I, um, I wasn't harmed by it, Craig. <laughs> I came out all right. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I had a really good year and I had, um, there were really nice people. I probably was a bit young, I think. I think if I was to to do it again, I, I probably would have, I wouldn't have gone straight from school, interestingly. No, that's really interesting because that, I, it's not a regret, but it's certainly something that I've thought about in the past. And I thought I was too young because I'd sort of left Blackpool at 17 and came straight to London just on the cusp of 18. And then I was graduated when I was 21. And it was like, yeah. I don't even, I didn't even know who I was at that time, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think I, I think I was probably, if I'd gone a little bit later, I would have been less concerned with getting things right, you know? And, um, and sometimes you miss out on, I mean, it it doesn't really matter in the long run, but when I kind of think back at 
at that time and and some of the stuff that we were doing I was like oh yeah I didn't really I didn't I couldn't really get that because I just wasn't mature enough to I couldn't really understand what they were asking me to do um but yeah I loved it and I was I as a I had really good teachers really lovely year so um so it was fine but it it uh it really was like the only thing that I wanted to do I was pretty um I was so focused on getting into drama school, <laughs> you know, like in a kind of, in a scary way when I think about the, what's it called when you've got, like, that's all you want to do. I was so focused, so driven on getting into drama school that I I don't even recognise that person anymore. Well, you're like, you're like, you're so young, I'm, and I was the same, you're like an athlete. Mm. You just, yeah. you just, you've got your focus and you know the end, the end line and everything else can just fall by the wayside yeah it really was like that and and I exactly the same and and I didn't I remember thinking I just don't know what I'll do if I don't get into drama school (laughs) like I didn't really give myself much of an option no um because it just felt too scary you know uh but um yeah but I don't feel like that now so it's it's strange isn't it Do, do, do you think that just comes with age not that no, yeah. not not that you're old by any stretch of the imagination. Really old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think so, and I think. Well, I think being an actor is different from being a student and being at drama school. It's a different. Your ambitions become different. The way that, or the way that I feel about acting has has changed. I think in in, in what way. I think. Um, uh, I always get a bit worried about sounding a bit pretentious. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> um, I think I, I see it as... I, being an actor is how I, I, I process the world, really. And, I, and through stories, through, through meeting people, through the, the process. I love it so much. And... And I think that means that you you this idea of having an end point becomes it it doesn't work it's not it's not it, it, real whereas when you're at that age and get, getting into drama school and being a student that's a very kind of real focus to to put all your energy into and so you can kind of be bullheaded about it in a way which when when then I started working I that very quickly had to fall by the wayside because it wasn't really how I wanted to live my life or how how even I feel about being an actor, I suppose. Did you feel ready after you graduated? Did you come out and went, right, I've graduated, I am now an actor? Or did you constantly feel you had something to prove? Not to anybody else, but I suppose to yourself. I still am. I mean, I've, I've been in therapy being like... That's been one of the main things that we've been talking about is that is quite often, almost all of the time, I, I end up feeling, like, scared that I'm just giving it a go, you know, instead of feeling really sure that I am an actor. But, I, you know, I think that doubt's part of it. I, I, I believe probably everyone feels a bit like that. Yeah, that I, th- yeah, I think it. so. Yeah, totally. I, I used to feel embarrassed to call myself an actor. Do you know, like, when you're, you're out and you're meeting new people and mm. inevitably there's that awful question, what do you do? 
which yeah, I, I loathe. I, I, I lie quite a lot. Yeah, I used to lie. Yeah. I used to... <laughs> I used to say I work for British Gas or something so mu- oh, wow. so mundane. Mundane, and, yeah. And I'm an IT consultant. They, they wouldn't want to continue <laughs> a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny that. It's funny because it is part of your identity. It's definitely part of my identity being an actor and and that feels kind of scary to say. And, and uh, embarrassing but also kind of vulnerable-making because, yeah. because immediately when you say that there's so much... There's, people have so many ideas of what actors are and what acting is that that um, and you don't want to. I don't want to let anyone down. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, this is what it looks like. <laughs> but I think it's something that you know you should be proud of. One should be proud of. You know that. Yeah. That you know you graduated ten years ago and you you're working. You're you're a working actor. Yeah, I am, uh, but. I th- I do. I, have you seen the um, Ethan Hawke documentary about Paul Newman, Joanne Woodward? Not yet, but it is on the list. Oh, I've, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, I've heard. It's I mean, incredible. it really is like one of those things where it it changed my life a little bit, you know, because watching these two kind of icons and their marriage and and how complicated they were, how how fun they were, how generous they were, but they were they were actors. They were just completely actors and they were complete artists. And that's, they really gave their life to the pursuit of, of telling stories in so many different ways. And, and it made me feel part of, I guess it made me realise acting is so old. I think that's something that I've been thinking about loads recently. It's like 2,000 years old. It's such a, it's such an old thing and I'm such a small cog of something which is so much greater than me that because it's 2,000 years old, it has to be necessary. Otherwise it would have gone, Yeah, you know? And that I find comforting. And also grounding. Grounding, yeah. That really grounds you. I think it's really important to think about the history and exactly what you said, you know, it hasn't gone away. If anything, it's just got stronger and stronger. yeah. Yeah, and and changed, and we've got more mediums, and we, you know, and different types of acting, different ways of telling stories all around the the world. And yeah, it's interesting how sometimes the industry, drama school, all of that can kind of it can close your view of that. It can it can sort of make everything in a in a way a little bit smaller than what it is, which is a kind of you know noble pursuit. <laughs> no, it is. So, you know. It completely is. Of course it is, you know. I know some people that are, you know, again, embarrassed to call themselves an artist. Yeah. But, you know, that's exactly what they are. Yeah, because it's a creative thing. Of course, and a, yeah. and a collaborative process. You know, I, lo- yeah. I love being directed. Yeah. And, there's nothing more frustrating. And, it, and, of course, it's happened, and I'm sure it's happened to you, where you go into a job with the best intentions and you're just not getting anything back at all. And it's incredibly frustrating because you, you're kind of throwing out all the ideas and you're getting nothing back. Yeah, that's really frustrating. That's really hard. What do you do, what do, you do when that happens? Um... Remove myself from the situation first, mm. 
and have a little word with myself because otherwise I'm going to... I think early on in my 20s, when I was super green, I was quite angry mm. about things, about uh, certain situations that would, you know, case in point, that, but also about balance and injustice and th- things not being fair, and not sort of on me, but with with regards to the business. And I, I, I don't think I channeled that in the healthiest of ways. Mm. I think I was suppressing a lot of anger. Yeah. But nowadays, I just sort of hold, hold my hands up and go, okay, well, this, I'm, I'm getting nothing back, and I, and I've tried, and it's a rare thing, I must admit. Um, but I think you know when you're spoiled. When you're spoiled. Well, actually, when you're working with somebody <laughs> who, who's incredible and really inspiring to you. Yeah. And then you go on to, you know, you go on to the next school day, the next job, and it's not the same. It's like mm. it's like reading a fantastic script or being part mm. of a fantastic job. And it kind of ruins you for a little bit because everything else that you read after it sort of is insignificant. It's, it's not there. There's no substance there. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's something to do with also the way you want to feel all the time, you know, like if it's like when you're doing like when I feel like I'm doing good acting, it's not good acting when I'm when I'm in it, you know, it's when I feel my blood's running hotter, you know, and where I'm I'm I feel like I'm listening completely for the first time. Yeah. And it, then there are just jobs where you're just not going to feel like that. And it's such a disappointment. (laughs) And you're like, oh, no, what is this? What am I doing? And um, it's really... But but then, you know, you can can make... There's always interesting things. Don't you find that, though? I mean, even the jobs where I've really, like, kind of not enjoyed it, there's always been a person or, you know... um, or a day or or a moment where it's changed how I felt about the job or just made me happy or made me laugh. Or, yeah, you know, or, 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 or you've learnt one new thing. Yeah. So even if the overall experience wasn't great, you can still yeah. take something away from that. Yeah. Or even if it was a completely terrible experience, you go, all right, okay, well, I need to trust my gut a bit more and I won't go down that road again, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah, and they're never they're never as bad as when you're in it. <laughs> that's always a that's always a kind of slightly relieving thing. Is that when you're when you're doing a job and you're really hating it, or it's really uninspiring, or you know whatever, then a few months down the line, you never kind of feel that the same way. It's always kind of good to remember. You know, it's definitely happened to me. I did a job where I was so, I mean, I was so miserable, and yet. To some extent, after after about three months, it, I realised, like, oh, it's just completely changed the way that I view my work, you know, more than any other job I'll, I'll ever do, probably. Yeah. I just won't. Um, and I'm so glad I, I wouldn't take it back now, you know. Mm. No, because that distance and time away, you, you can just get a clearer perspective on things. Yeah. We're so neurotic. Well, you know what? <laughs> you know, at the time, when you're in it, it becomes very... 
scary because that's your job isn't it to be to be vulnerable to be to be collaborative to be open to you want all of those things to work and it and it hurts I think when it doesn't I think that's really what it is it feels kind of hurtful because you care so much you know exactly yes Mm. yeah I mean when I was talking about when I was 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 ang was channeling my anger in in an unhealthy way in my 20s it was because I really cared and I, I, mm. I remember getting on a job once and I was really fucking frustrated because certain, you know, members of production just didn't seem to care. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. I hate yeah. it so much. It really... And, and I know that most people do, most actors worth their salt really hate that too. It just... it it. it because it feels... You know, it's awful, isn't it? That, I mean, your job is to have such a kind of... A thin skin, and yet to be an actor, you have to have such a thick one. It's such a weird, weird life. But you know, you do care when you're in the job, and people aren't aren't giving it the the care and the attention and the love. Um, it feels lonely. Yeah, it's 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 hard as well to switch off in your mind because you're constantly you're with it all mm. the time, and even when you go away from the theatre, you go offset and you're at home in your surroundings, you're still, well, I am, I'm still there, I'm still thinking about it, I'm still replaying the day. Mm. It's a bit like I used to replay auditions, like, days after, and go, yeah. oh, why did I... No, because they'll think that now, and that's not how I wanted to sort of convey that emotion, or I didn't want to put myself in that situation. It, you're right, you know, you've said it a few times, it is about being open and vulnerable. But then, mm. but then we also have to learn t- to protect ourselves. It's weird, isn't it? It's such a weird... I think I find that the hardest thing about being an actor, if I'm honest. What's that? What's is, that? Is balancing those two, knowing that to some extent you have to... It's hard, you know. There are times where you're not working. There's times that you're completely broke. There are times where you just get rejected just one after another and you have to have a thick skin and you have to kind of, you know, pull your your face from the dirt and kind of go, okay, on to the next one. But your your whole your whole body is sort of been trained to be sensitive to everything. Yeah. To feel those things deeply, to be aware of them, to care, to love, to um, there was a great a, a teacher ages ago said this really interesting thing. I, I talk, I think a lot about it, and which is that all humans have um, kind of ten things. Is it ten that that all of us have? Which is is joy, love, anger, insanity, sexuality, competitiveness. And there's something else as well, I can't remember. And to varying degrees, we hide one or two of those things, maybe five of those things. And and as actors, we have to be aware of all of them, you know? And so to some extent, you have to kind of be unprotected because those are the things that you're constantly trying to protect. You know, I, I, I think I spent years pretending that I wasn't a competitive person and it was because I was so scared of being a competitive person, you know. And um, 
and actually it kind of feels better when you kind of out yourself and you kind of go yeah and and if i if i if i live my life pretending i'm not a competitive person when a when a character comes who is competitive i'm going to start judging them <laughs> you know and pretending that i'm kind of above this other character or you know things like that it's interesting um how when you when you actually look at what it is to be human and how we protect ourselves then when you when you start kind of un, unraveling that you become very um bare you become very naked yeah and again that's we go back to it again that's vulnerable but you know there's an honesty there that, mm. that and and also i tell my son all the time even at school and he's nothing to do with this business hopefully who knows is the the, the son of, <laughs> of of two actors so god knows i haven't really given him a good start but you know to <laughs> to be curious curiosity mm. is key you know ask questions constantly ask questions i'm still asking questions now on set i'm sure i'm quite annoying because mm. i want to know how things work yeah but that's like the joy mm. you know that's like the thing that makes me the most excited is like and the thing that I love about being about my work is like every new thing I I can become an expert on something else, you know, on being a policewoman or being an actress in the 1950s or, you know, but like all of these things that that that's a job. It's like a constant learning. And then the actual craft of it never stops, you know. No. Um, it, I I think that's just brilliant. That's the thing that I love the most about it. Me, it really is my crack. Yeah, me too. I was taught, I was in a car with my executive producer of this job I'm doing the other day and we're, we're, we're nearing the end of, of this series. And uh, we, were just, we were just going through it and unravelling the last few months. And I said, you know what? After 25 years or so, I've stepped into this position on this job and I've learnt so much Mm. And I've also recalled things from the past that's really helped that I never thought would help me um, when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I think that's joyous. <laughs> but I, I can't think of... I mean, I'm sure there... Of course there is, but that's what keeps us coming back in this profession because... Yeah there's always something new to learn and we can grow and we can fail, mm. we can fail in the rehearsal room. Ugh. If I could just be in rehearsal all the time, I would. <laughs> well, yeah, we, I mean, we kind of are though, aren't we, really? In a way, In a way. Yeah, yeah that's true. I woke up in a cold sweat the other night at 4am because I'd, I'd filmed a scene the night before... And it was a really high page count day. Um, and we'd already done an extended day. And we shot on this, like, a page and a half scene, two-hander. And it was 7.30. And we were wrapping at 8. So, like, it was half an hour to get this scene in on a two-shot. And I think I put myself under so much pressure, to the, the, the time restraints and all that. And I was, I'm filming something else at the same time. And they're both... They're, they're, they're obviously different characters, but their accents are very, very different. <laughs> and I woke up recalling this scene that I started in half an hour going, oh, my God, did I just play that in a very broad northern accent? Oh, no. When it, that's, when he's that's what quite, I'd wake up thinking Quite that clearly too. a southerner, <laughs> which I've been playing for months. But 
because I'd started two jobs at the same time, I don't know where my brain was, and I'm so exhausted, couldn't get to sleep. I was awake. Oh. I was awake then, and I went in the next day, and I spoke. To- I demand to see the rushes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're kind of... Um, but I just had to speak to um, uh, the script editor and go, can you just look back at that scene from last night? Mm. Because surely some... I was going. I was in my mind in bed going, surely someone would have said. Surely someone mm. would have said. Mm. But it's that overthinking again. Anyway, it turns out it was totally fine. Cause I'm back, you were fine. Yeah, it was fine, but... Uh, for a moment, I thought you were like, and I did do the wrong no. accent. And I was... <laughs> I was getting sweaty. Oh, it's it's honestly, <laughs> even now I'm thinking about it. I'm just very uh, uh, prickly everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Those are horrible. Anxiety dreams are the worst. When I my first job, I had an anxiety dream where I was I was late and naked, and oh. you know what I mean, like I had all of them in one one dream, and they're really it's so it's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's. I mean, it's not funny at the time, is it? It's, no, it's not. It's definitely not funny at the time, but it is funny later. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? They keep coming back. They don't go away. No, they don't. They don't. No one says that. <laughs> no one tells you that. <laughs> how were you, speaking of people telling you things, how were you, if you were given any tools for rejection at drama school, did they prepare you for that? or No. I don't think so. Not really. I don't think anyone can really tell you what that feels like. Um, actually, I think, I think, I can't really remember. I don't really feel like there were discussions about that. It, it, it felt a shock. That's what I felt when I came out. I felt a bit of a shock at how, how quick everything was and, and and the rejection you slowly realize is is kind of got nothing to do with you you know i mean that's hard it, to it, it, even now I, it's not like i live that in my life you know i definitely get rejection being like oh god it's me but you do slowly i think realize that it's got so it's to do with so many other things but i found it i found it a shock um i found it a shock but I was lucky because I did, I did, I did have a good start, you know, and I got to do really interesting things, really interesting work, um, and the work that I had, to some extent, always hoped that I would do, um, especially in theatre. So I, I was lucky in that sense, I think. But it is, it is difficult, isn't it, to not take it personally? Yeah. Especially when it's something that you've sort of put your all into and then you go... But that's the thing, it is personal. That's what we're talking know, about, isn't know, it? It's like, you make it personal. There's so many, <laughs> there's, there's so many moving parts to it and you're, yeah. you're just yeah. so tiny within that, that yeah. machine. Yeah, it's like, it's like the podcast Dead Eyes, isn't it? Yes. Have you, yeah, which is brilliant at kind of revealing, revealing that of, of how personal it feels to actually the actual reality of it is that it's absolutely nothing to do with that. <laughs> and that's relieving, but it's also, you know, it's also strange if you, if you've come out of a, of a training a, a, and, and, and been, you know, um, encouraged to be creative, um, 
optimistic, uh, really into it. It can be, it can feel a bit kind of, um, yeah, I, I got, I got knocked and I still do, but I, I think everyone does in a way. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. Yeah. I don't think that ever stops. It certainly doesn't stop for me, you know. No, but I, I, I don't. Th- I, yeah. I, I do feel. I feel a bit better about. I give. My, I don't give myself as much as a hard time uh, as what I used to, and I. It goes quicker as it well. It does. I think it does. Yeah, but I. I, think I also think it's important to allow yourself. Allow yourself a, a few hours a day, however long you need, and then slowly try and brush it off and brush yourself off. Yeah, you can't pretend like it didn't affect you. No. <laughs> Can you? No. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that, well, I used to do that, I think, at the beginning. In what way? I'd be like, oh, I'd just be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Of course, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was, I didn't think I was right for that job. Or I didn't think, you know, I would protect myself in, in those ways of, of trying to, yeah, pretend to myself that these things didn't matter to me when they, when they do. You have to, you have to let it live. Yeah. Um, don't you? But I mean, it's funny. I, I don't, I'm trying to think about like what the tools of rejection would be. I mean, if you were, if you were, or how they would teach that, <laughs> you know, well, because yeah. it's a funny thing being resilient and, um, and dealing with rejection, isn't it, I think? Yeah, I mean, some, I know uh, so, some drama schools or some training, they use quite shocking tactics and, and line everybody up and go, look to your left and look to your right. In 10 years' time, both those people won't be working. Uh, it's a bit like... No, they're so unkind. It's, 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 I mean, it's, look, <laughs> it's scary and unkind business anyway. You don't need to... To sort of, sort yeah, them out like that, that. Well, you know, mm. so, especially when we're at such a young age. Yeah, but you know, yeah, and also it doesn't, it doesn't, it's sort of an abstract thing at that point. I think it doesn't really mean anything anyway. No. It's like, well, <laughs> and it doesn't feel like that in real life. Not so at all. I don't all. know why they're using that. Not tactic. at all. Not at all. Yeah. But I think when you're talking about dealing with rejection, I, I think. Honesty is really important to be honest with with yourself and, and mm. giving yourself that time. I'm not going to be dramatic to say give that time your time to grieve, but it's <laughs> it's not that dramatic. That's the most actually thing I've ever said. I'm grieving for this lost I'm part. I'm grieving for the part. But yeah, it's just to allow yourself that time and be honest and go fuck. Mm. I really wanted mm. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's move on, but let's let's not forget it. Yeah. Let's not. Well, I guess because when you feel like that about a part, it's or when I do anyway, it, it feels it's because ultimately there's something that I have found in that part that I want to express. That's interesting to me, and even that knowledge is completely vital. You know, of being like, oh, actually, yeah, I really. There was something about that part which piqued my interest yeah. because ultimately it's something to, to do with my, my interest. And so maybe that's what I need to follow or that's what I need to remember, you know, from this experience or maybe that's what I want for next time, you know. Um, hard to feel like that when you first get the phone call, but, you know, ultimately you can look at it like that. You know? Yeah. 
How how are you with watching yourself back on the screen with regards to television and film? I um, see how they run was the first time that I'd seen myself in the cinema. How was that? I hated it. I found it so hard. I just, I couldn't. And I was like, oh, I, I get it. I, I guess with telly, when I'd been on telly, I hadn't. That it had, it, there were different things. I mean, like when I in I May Destroy You, I just loved that series so much yeah. that to some extent I didn't really even think of myself in it. <laughs> but but other things I would kind of probably not watch or you know watch a little bit of. But yeah, when I saw See How They Run, I I just found it too exposing. I just found it too. I couldn't even tell what I felt of about the film. <coughs> you know. Really, I was like sitting there being like, I have no idea, I have no idea if this is any good or not, <laughs> because I'm so, I feel so watched. Yes. That I was like, I understand why actors don't do this, and I will never do that again. I don't think I could ever do that again. It's too much, it's too, it's too unenjoyable. Yeah, you know? it's really exposing. You know, we talked about yeah. a dream about being naked. You, I, you feel so vulnerable and not in a, not, in a good way or positive way at all. Yeah, and not not even... I don't even remember watching it being like, oh, God, I'm awful, or God... I just couldn't... I, I didn't... I couldn't even tell what I thought. And I think that I found even scarier. <laughs> and I was like, I don't... I'm not really up for this. No, it's almost like an out-of-body out experience. Yeah, yeah, and like a dream. Yeah. Um, and like a dream. So, yeah, I found that... I found that Hard. I mean, were you talking about? Can you hear me? Yeah, totally. Oh, I can't hear you. Oh, hello. hello. Oh no, oh, I've you got, got me. you. I've got okay. you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you. Um, were you talking about like when you're on set? Not necessarily watching. Just... Not necessarily watching playback, but I know some actors that uh, will forensically go through their work. Mm. I can't. I can't really do that. It's like all, all, no. all I can all I can see are the cracks. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. I, I, you know, personally, that's not helpful for me. No, you no. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that being a fun thing. <laughs> a fun thing, or like helping me particularly. No, because you don't want to be self-conscious when you're doing it, do you? Yeah, because, you know, you just want to look like you're not acting. Well, you don't want to be thinking, oh, I don't, I don't like my teeth or <laughs> I don't like my... You have, you have all of those things anyway. It's just, um... Oh, you're cutting out. Oh. Why? Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Oh, well, see, if we were in the room having a <laughs> cup of tea, Pearl, this wouldn't be happening, no. would it? Wouldn't be happening. Um, did you come out of drama school... With a, a goal of being in the theatre or being in front of a camera? Or was it just I, you wanted it all? Um, I didn't have... I think because I, I, I loved the theatre and, and I still do. And I loved films too. I mean... I, I don't think I had... I think I, it was more that I had ambitions and still do for a type of work, yeah. I think, more than 
what medium it was. And it's changed in a way of learning more about the medium of film, watching more film and, um, and loving it more. I think when I was a student, I really, I, I, I already loved the process of making a play and I still do. Yeah. Um, but I, I understood it, I think, whereas I didn't understand the process of making a film or making a TV show. Um, and, and so it was, it's been like a learning and a slow learning because I didn't, I didn't really get many, much TV work. I, I just kind of, I mean, the first five years was really just one play after another. Yeah. And, um, and to some extent that was always in a, in a kind of romantic idea what I kind of wanted. If I, I was sort of like, in love with an old school system of like, I wanted to learn and be probably in a kind of rep company. Yeah. You know, it's probably was my, like, if I could have had an ideal way. And I sort of, that's sort of the way that I kind of ended up crafting the, the first couple of years, not, not really by a design, but it does make sense to me that it did turn out that way because I, I was so, I was so interested in making these plays and um, and doing plays by writers I just really loved. You know, Sarah Kane, Tennessee Williams, Shakespeare, Chekhov. You know, it really mattered yeah. um, f- to me at the time. And, I mean, and, and I still would love to work with great writers and on that, but I feel differently about it, I guess. Yeah. Do you, I, I do like going to the theatre. Mm. But I do get disappointed. Quite, do you? Quite a lot, yeah. Yeah. And it takes, it, you know, when you see something on stage that is so incredible and so inspiring, I, f- I find them few and far between, if I'm honest. Yeah, it's hot because it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, because it's really, it's, a, it's hard work and you, you know, you can't, you can't be lazy doing a play. <laughs> it has to be, it has to be the most alive because that's the, I mean, I loved it. When I came back, when, when theatres came back after COVID, one of the problems that I had was that I, I started going to see everything and I, I just didn't have a gauge of good or bad. Yeah. So I was so happy that they were there and that it was live. And then I went to see a play and I won't say what, which I thought was absolutely awful. And it, and it, I sunk back into being like, okay, well, if we are going to do a play, if we are going to expect people to like come to sit in a theatre and be quiet and not have their phones, then you have to give them everything. It has to really matter. And it can't just be, um, it has to be inventive. And it has to, because I, I, because I think when you go and see really great theatre, and it kind of goes back to what, I mean about like acting being so old, theatre being so old. Yeah. It's like when it works, the kind of consciousness of the audience and the consciousness of the actors sort of like I'm rise, you know, and they form a collective consciousness which spans back for the whole of humanity. You know, it's an extraordinary thing. Yeah. And that happens because it's live, because all of your blood is pumping, all of 
your brain cells are working and you're breathing in oxygen together. And that's how it should feel. Yes. You know, if it's not feeling like that, there's a, there's a problem, you know, and I, 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 that's where I get the most hurt is when I'm doing a play or where I see that that isn't the ambition. The ambition isn't to make that. And you can fail in that ambition, but if you're not, if that's not going to be the ambition, then... I mean, why do yeah, it? Yeah, but you can, you can feel it in the room. Oh, so Whether good. you're in the audience or you're on stage, and you can feel if the balance isn't there. And then if you're on stage, it's your part of your job as a company member to try and shift that balance. And when it happens, fuck me, it's incredible. Because you're all working together and you're all breathing together. It is, it is like nothing else. Yeah. It's... It's extraordinary, and I and I and I, I love I love doing it. I love that, and I love that for that reason. Yeah. You know? And there's a an interesting thing about doing films and and telly, where where to some extent it's a different type of collaboration that happens. Half of it happens after you've left, you know, um, and so so the feeling's different. But but yeah, you're right. I mean. It's hard. It's hard when you sit when you have to sit through a three-hour play. That's not very good. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, Tricky. I'll hold my hand up. If if things aren't gripping me, I don't think I'm going to be back at the interval. Are you? Are you an interval goer? I, I, I would go. I, ha- yeah, I have yeah. been known. Yeah, yeah. I I I think it's interesting. I I feel I feel like. Do you know that Sarah Kane, Sarah Kane wrote this great article about football and the theatre? And she no. was talking about this, um, this match. I think it was a Man U match with David Beckham. And they were, they were, it was a really boring match. She was like, it was really boring. They were playing really badly. And then in the last three minutes, David Beckham scored this amazing goal. And she was like, the thing is, is that I will leave in the interval of a play because I'll know what will happen in the last bit. And and theatre should always be, even if it's bad, you should feel like they could score a goal in the last three minutes. Yeah. And I and I think that's kind of brilliantly put. Oh absolutely, yeah. What yeah. was where was that article? I'll try and find it and we can put it up. It's, it's on the it's in the Guardian. Right. It's fantastic. I mean she's so she was so she was so ahead of her time, Sarah Kane, yeah. about about everything really I mean she was really I loved that was the hardest job I've ever done was Crave um it was the the hardest thing I've ever had to do as an actor and I learned more about being an actor and about acting from doing that than anything because she is just the most human the most raw and she demands everything everything I mean I remember going doing Crave we did two plays back to back in Sheffield and with Crave I'd be in the wings and it's the only time where I felt like I was about to go to war each night I was nervous every single performance that I did it I never never shook the nerves because I was literally like how am I gonna fucking do this I don't know if I can do this and sometimes we'd be on stage us me and the other actors and they were so hard to learn, the lines were so hard to learn that sometimes we'd just be repeating pages for minutes until someone worked out where we should be. And it was like 
all of my senses were completely alive because she'd written something which forced you to do that. Wow. Absolutely extraordinary. I mean, that... Really amazing. That is an extraordinary sensation to, yes. to feel that even after rehearsal, night after night. No, wor- not worrying, but wondering whether you're going to actually be able to climb this mountain or not. Yeah, had no idea. Wow. Had no idea. It was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. And, and she really doing that, I just went, oh, she's the best. We, 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 that's, Britain should be proud. Absolutely. <laughs> patriotic. Pearl, yeah. this is, it's been lovely to meet you. Really lovely, organic lovely chat. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been fantastic. Thank you for chatting to yeah, me. It's so interesting. I hope you don't have any more anxiety dreams. Well, I mean, they're going to happen at some point, aren't they? I know. I'm just going to be worrying about them now. No, don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> well, look, I hope to see you in real life and we'll go and have a proper cup of tea, all right? Lovely. Take care. Take care. Bye. And another episode is done. What did I tell you? Just two people you've never met before... Find common ground, have a brilliant conversation. You can listen to it. That's what the Two Shot Podcast is all about. Uh, and this is case in point. So a massive thank you to Pearl for giving up her time. Uh, patience personified uh, Rosie for all the date changes. She'll understand if she listens to this. Thank you, Rosie. Um, oh, also, if you do go and see, see how they run at the pictures, which you must, I'm going to. Uh, you will also recognise Pearl from Michaela Cole's brilliant TV show, I May Destroy You. Is that still on the iPlayer on BBC? If not, it's on BritBox, possibly. Um, yes, of course. Well, no, you've done your research. Um, so, yeah, massive thank you to uh, Rosie and Pearl. And a massive thank you to you, for downloading, subscribing, messaging us, emailing us, supporting us. Do you want to support us more? That would be very helpful. But look, you're not going to just... Yeah, your support is not going to go unnoticed. Do you want a nice mug to have your brew from? Maybe a lovely T-shirt, maybe a long-sleeve T-shirt for these autumnal months, or a lovely, cosy, warm hoodie. Go to patreon.com slash the T-shirt podcast. Find out how you can support your favourite podcast. We're waiting for you. Until next week, take care. I've been Craig Parkinson. I didn't know who I was then. <laughs> and he's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care of yourself. And we'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast was presented by me, Craig Parkinson. Recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. The remix of our theme tune is by Stolen Valor. Cheers. Cheers.